2: Welcome back to the Outdoor Drive Podcast. We are at episode 86.
1: That's pretty cool. Hey, you came prepared for this one.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just thought about it because the last one was 85.
1: Way to be on top of things, Trev.
2: Yeah. Just have to remember those things because I'm I'm really, I'm I'm looking forward to the episode of 100. I think that's one of the things I look forward to, right? Oh, Is yeah. Is that a bad thing?
1: Nope. Not at all. Got to like have something to work forward to.
2: That's right. So in this episode it's actually a really cool episode I'm, I'm excited about this episode because we have one of the, probably one of the coolest woman hunters that there is and obviously Steven's been following her a lot longer than me and I don't know I'm pretty pumped to actually have her on. How about yourself it,
1: Steve? It, it's definitely cool to have her on She's somebody that I've followed not just as a hunter but as a human. You know, cause she's managed to take such an incredible career and the struggles and everything it took to get to where she was and then to turn around and incorporate a family into it and continue the success and continue to do such cool things and still be on top of the game. So many years later, I mean, she is the OG of women's hunting.
2: And the fact that, I mean, that she brings pork chop hunting with her all the time.
1: That had me rolling. <laughs> I've just, I i was picturing in my head, this dog on a spot and stock tied to her hip. Man. I mean, if, if that doesn't show you dedication, nothing does.
2: I can't, I. but how do you, how do you honestly go through self-filming, taking care of a dog, taking care of four kids and having a husband and a family at home? Like, I, I just, I just don't get it. And well, you have to be we'll a superwoman just, at that point. We'll just let her explain it. That's right. We should probably <laughs> I mean, do so. It's probably a lot better than than us explaining this.
1: Yeah, she she does a really good job of it. I think everyone's going to enjoy it. So, yeah,
2: Melissa Bachman will definitely explain this for you if you guys haven't already guessed who it was. So, but, man, you know what? Let's uh, I want to get to those who take care of us yeah, quick dude. and easy and fast. Right. Let's, so let's
1: get a little house cleaning out of the way.
2: That's right. So first off, I want to thank Nor'easter Game Calls. Get them in close, nor'eastergamecalls.com. Um, this is probably going to be the last week to get in on the um, Ducks on the Bay giveaway. So if you guys haven't already, you want to get over to these people. You want to go check out Nor'easter Game Calls. You want to go check out Gator Outdoors. You want to go check out Wicked Twisted, Bow Strings, and you want to go and check out um, Timber Tumblers. Um, those are the people who love and take care of us at this point and you want to make sure to go and check those guys out. Um, The promo code is Outdoor Drive um, on the Wicked Twisted Bowstrings and Outdoor Drive 25 for Gator Outdoors, um, gatoroutdoors.com. The 2021 kill caps are out. So with that, Gator Outdoors, um, outfitting the working class, they have a kill cap. So you buy the kill cap, and then if you kill a big game animal – In 2021, at the end of the season, they're going to go and send you um, their new kill t-shirt.
1: And that Um, thing is awesome.
2: They are awesome. We've gotten a little preview of them. And every year they come out with a different one. So every year you go and you get your kill cap and you get a t-shirt. Like 2020 was I killed in 2020. And it's actually pretty cool because I've had people ask me all kinds of weird things about it. So, <laughs> what do you mean? Are you were gonna- you a vet? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what I get all the time. So, it's, if you guys haven't already, get on over there. Get your get yourself into this giveaway. You can go and go on a duck hunt with me up here in the Northeast um, for for free. You literally just have to pay for your license, bring your ammunition, and um, and and your room and board, and then you get to hunt for free. It's a thousand dollar hunt for free, and I'll even let you bring a friend. So. It doesn't get much better than that. So um, make sure you get in on that. This is the last week to do so. You're going to have a couple of days once the podcast comes out. And uh,
1: make sure to do so. What did we say? June 1st is the last day.
2: Yeah, June 1st. We'll wrap it up. And then um, Danny from Ducks on the Bay, he's going to go through and he's going to pick out the person that he wants to uh, give it away to. So, And, and by pick it no, out, it's just it's he's,
1: he's literally taking last names like last a hat names. raffle and drawing one out. That's it. It, It's not a I like this last name. I'm picking him. It's he's gonna take everyone's last names, throw them in a bucket, pick a name. And that's it. That's him. It's completely fair.
2: Luck of the draw. You get so everybody who's bought the outdoor drive series hats, um, they get two entries. If you bought a sticker from us, it's two entries. If you go to ducksonthebay.com and buy a sticker, sweatshirt, so on and so forth, that's another two entries. And then everybody else is one entry. Um, speaking of, we do have hats for sale the outdoor drive series hats we have a red and black one that's for sale and then coming up actually on wednesday um so yesterday yesterday i had released the black and white ones so we have another black and white one to come out so those will be released on when or yes they've been, they were released yesterday. So I still have some red and black ones and then I have the black and white ones. So if you guys haven't already, you guys can get on over and check those things out. So I don't know if some of you guys that listen to the podcast miss out on, on social media, we might all not all be there. So just want to let you guys know if that's the case, you can shoot us an email at outdoor drive at gmail.com. Um, or you can get a hold of us uh, via social media and uh, we'll get one of those mailed out to you. So. Pretty simple, pretty easy, pretty cool, pretty awesome. Good times. Yeah, man. You know, turkey season is now, Got a, I got a couple of days left in Connecticut. Things are kind of winding down for me. Back on the fishing boat, Stevens. turkey season's over for you.
1: Season's been over here now for almost two weeks. I'm uh, just getting into a lot of archery, trying to get the bow all tuned up and the shoulder all ready to work.
2: Especially and, for the shoot. Uh,
1: these last few days, man, it has been warm. So that river is going to be popping here come the holiday weekend. That's so awesome. hopefully we'll get the kayaks out, do a little bit of uh, copperback fishing, get some of them smallies, have a good time.
2: Big bronze backs. Nothing wrong with that, dude. I love me some bronzies. Uh Speaking of shooting and your archery and bow, uh, the 2021 shoot is going to kick off here June 12th. Um, we're going to hit the road and drive out to Illinois from the East Coast and going to meet up with our boys from Working Class Bowhunter. Uh, If you guys haven't already or you want to join in on that, make sure to get on their Facebook page and check them out or workingclassbowhunter.com to sign up for that. Um, You're going to miss out on a lot of really cool things if you don't go. Um, Tons of giveaways, tons of prizes, tons of cool things, and then it'll be a little after party uh, in Rio, Illinois. So, if you guys need information, you can also hit us up there or go and check them out at workingclassbonehunter.com. But don't forget about it, we will be there.
1: Right. Well, and even, we'll be. There. you know who's coming up? Who's going to join us? Who's that? Andrew. Andrew's going to make it up. That's right. Andrew's going to be there. So we have
2: Andrew's going to be there. Bones is going to be there. Uh, Brian's going to be there. And
1: Scott's going to be there. Oh, snap. That's a
2: crew, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Put your pants on for that ride
2: gonna be a good time so we got that stuff going on make sure to uh if you guys want to uh join in and follow us out there um we could give us your route or out we will give you our route and you guys can follow us out there so um speaking of
1: the cruise, uh, and there's there's some news for it i think there's some news for the cruise. well do me a favor and crank that bad boy up
3: Hey everyone, Mike here with some news for your crews. We're going to kick this one off in Montana, where the governor has signed Bill 637 into law. The new law changes how outfitter licenses are allocated and the state's preference point system. Uh, An amendment uh, added late to the bill, uh, which allows for a one-time allowance for outfitted non-residents who were unlucky in the draw to purchase an over-the-counter hunting license. Uh, State Rep. Burgley stated this is due to a 30% surge in non-resident applications. The bill also changes how non-residents can obtain preference points and provides an advantage for outfitted non-residents over DIY non-resident hunters. Outfitted non-residents are now able to purchase an additional preference point. Last year, 32,000 hunters applied for 17,000 non-resident big game licenses, and the uptick has harmed outfitters uh, with the uncertainty of how many outfitted non-residents Uh, may draw in a particular year. The number of successful uh, outfitted hunters uh, drawing has been down about 40% over the last few years. The issue with this is that the last minute amendment uh, had a lack of public comment period and seems to favor those who can hire outfitters over those who cannot. Uh, If a non-resident wants to be eligible for the one-time allocation, they need to have already booked and or made a deposit with an outfitter by April 1st and over-the-counter licenses must, must be purchased by August 30th. Um, really unfortunate for the DIY hunters looking for a Montana hunt in the future, uh, but we'll see how it goes. So now off to Iowa, where the DNR is offering a six-month workshop to teach skills needed to hunt, field dress, and cook white-tailed deer to individuals uh, who have little to no archery hunting experience. The workshop consists of a summer-long uh, archery practices, a full workshop, And hunting opportunities throughout Iowa's archery season. All sessions are led by instructors uh, with experience to teach the skills uh, necessary to become efficient archers and bow hunters. Participants will spend the summer becoming proficient archers with bows provided by the DNR. Uh, As summer progresses participants will learn basic deer hunting strategies such as proper equipment, where to hunt, safe shooting practices, and tree stand placement. During the fall, uh, participants will learn how to field dress, clean, and cook deer from professional butchers and chefs. The courses will be held in Adele, Altoona, and Council Bluffs, uh, and is geared for participants 21 years and older. Applicants uh, started being accepted May 26th. Space is limited, so those interested should apply online right away. Uh, Once accepted, participants uh, will be invited to register with a cost of $238.50, which includes tags, licenses, books, and uh, loaner archery equipment for the year. Uh, The link to the applications is long, uh, so shoot me a message on Facebook or Instagram, and I can send it to you if you're interested. Um, There are a lot of partners making this program happen uh, as part of the Um, national push to recruit, retain, and reactivate hunters, which is fantastic. Now on to Rhode Island, uh, where cawhogging is set to open in the Providence River for the first time in at least 75 years, uh, as DEM could find no evidence of shell fishermen being allowed in the waters uh, this far north. The opening is a result of major improvements in water quality in the bay uh, that have allowed the DEM to gradually, gradually allow more shell fishing further up the bay the latest move expands access to about a third of the Providence River. Uh, the new 1,900-acre uh, area in the lower Providence River opened at 8 a.m. on May 26th, and access will be tightly controlled for the foreseeable future. It will only be open to hoggers on 27 predetermined summer moorings this year and will close if a half an inch of rainfall occurs and will remain closed for seven days after uh, the rainfall event. Only cohogs quahogs uh, will be allowed to be harvested, not mussels or soft-shelled clams in this area. Um, and despite the tight regulations, uh, quahoggers see the opening as a milestone, allowing them into a new area that, because it was protected from harvest uh, pressure for so long, um, there is hopefully uh, a densely populated, uh, a dense population of clams in the area. Uh, president of the Rhode Island Shell Fishermen's Association stated, we're really hap- uh, really hoping it can be a game changer for the industry. And he believes it will be the start of a push to open up areas uh, further north in the Providence River in coming years. So another great achievement for Rhode Island. And good luck to anyone that's going to be harvesting quahogs in the Providence River this year. With that, as always, if you have any news, please send it to me. Uh, you can reach out to me on Facebook at Mike Salter or uh, Bearded underscore Bowhunter 21 on Instagram. And with that, enjoy the rest of your ride.
2: Mikey Salter. I wish he could come with us to the to the shoot this year.
1: Yeah, I don't know what his excuse is. New kids and business and work and everything else.
2: <laughs> no big deal. What the heck is that crap? Hey,
1: I'm taking time off to do it. Why don't you? Do you actually, do you know who might go with us? Who? Dan hmm again yeah well, that, he, you're just saying that because you go now i can sit in the back and sleep and you guys can drive no <laughs> not
2: smelt's not Danny smelt's dan from pennsylvania
1: oh gotcha gotcha yeah that'd be cool yeah i talked I to mean, him today it, it, it's right on the way so
2: mm, yeah he was um i mean he no the one that went to pennsylvania with us dan dan yeah yeah okay yeah, cause he I, he was at the boat working today, so he was he he's the boat mechanic for us for Volvo. So he was at the boat, and I was like, "Hey, dude, are you gonna come and shoot?" And he's like, "I don't know, That's kind of tough." And I was like, "Man, eh, well, you could jump in with us and just go for a ride." So and that was kind of cool. So yeah, Mike, cool. get
1: your thing together, buddy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not, you're not cool unless you pee your pants. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, what do you think, Steven? You know, I don't want to miss out on this great opportunity to talk to
1: Melissa. A legend. A legend. It is. Yeah. I don't know, man. I think the easiest thing to do is uh, let's just go ahead and turn it over to her.
2: Nice shot.
3: Here comes a
2: shooter. Shooter. Big butt. Stacks, stacks,
1: stacks. Get All
2: right, welcome back. We're on the phone with the one and only Melissa Bachman. How are you, Melissa?
0: i'm doing well thank you guys for having me i sure appreciate it
2: thanks for joining us i know you have a busy schedule and it's still turkey season for you so things are kind of crazy
0: yeah things are always kind of crazy but this is always fun to do and you can always make time
2: absolutely well why don't we uh let's not keep the guests waiting let's uh let's turn this thing into overdrive turn the key and get things underway um why don't you tell everyone who you are where you're from and what you do
0: my name is melissa bachman i'm from south dakota I have a show called Winchester Deadly Passion. I'm airing in season 10 right now. It airs every Sunday morning on Sportsman's Channel year-round. And I basically get to hunt all over ever since I was a little kid. My only dream was to hunt every single day. (laughs) Um, And I tried to figure out how to make a career out of it. I did that. And I've been pretty close to hunting every single day. For quite a while, I traveled about 320 days a year. I realized that's probably as close to 365 as I need to get. Um, But I absolutely love it. And we now live in South Dakota and I couldn't find a better place to live. Just phenomenal hunting. I grew up in Minnesota and I love it out here. I'd never move home.
2: (laughs) How did it all start out for you? Like where did it all it all occur like that you had that dream to to want to do this?
0: Well, you know, I was a big hunter all through high school. Um, when I was 12, I couldn't even sleep the night before deer hunting because I was so excited to go out hunting. Now, we did not have phenomenal hunt. I'm talking you go out and you might shoot a couple small does, you know, or, or fawns, whatever. Um, deer. But that's, that's what we had. <laughs> um, that's what Minnesota hunting was like. And, you know, we hunted public land. We had some land behind our house. And I just was ate up with it. In fact, my mom and dad signed a work permit my senior year of high school, saying I didn't have to go to school till 1030 all fall. So I could bow hunt every morning before school started. And they said I was um, I was uh, getting food for the family. So that was my job. Um, and if I shot a deer, I just had to be back to school by noon and have it hanging in the garage. So, you know, that is a passion that just runs as deep in me as you can imagine. And both my mom and dad hunt it. So, I grew up in a family where that's what we did on the weekends together. We went hunting. We didn't have giant bucks. We didn't have great, amazing pheasant or duck hunting. We hunted a lot of public ground and we just loved it and, and we really, really enjoyed it. So I set it as a goal that I was either going to, one, be an anesthesiologist or two, find a way to hunt for a living. And I can promise you there were days I thought maybe I really should have went to medical school, <laughs> <laughs> um, but there are many days that I'm just thrilled with the decision I made. So that's kind of how it got started.
2: So was there any uh, going on to that? Like, is, was there anything that like, you obviously didn't just jump into doing this full time, right? So there was obviously some type of job that you had to do on the side or, cause everyone's has this like big envision that like, they're going to hunt and fish for the rest of their lives and they're going to be professional, but they don't realize that. A lot of people that are in the industry actually have jobs
0: yeah and you know when I started I got a double major in television production and in Spanish so my background was in the production side of things so in my brain the way I was going to go about it is kind of through the back door my plan was to go in and try to get a job as a producer because I knew you couldn't just walk into a place and say hey you know, I want to be the new hunting person on your show. They'd laugh you out of the building, right? <laughs> so I just tried getting a job as an editor, as a cameraman. And when I got out of college, I had, you know, straight A's through college, did all of this stuff. I sent out 74 resume reels. Do you want to know how many no's I got? All 74. <laughs> um, not one person would hire me. And I'm not talking for the on-air position. I'm just talking as an editor or a cameraman. Nobody was interested, and I thought, Oh my goodness. Now what do I do? This is crazy. Um, so what I did is I went through that list and I picked the number one place that I wanted to work, which happened to be the North American hunting club. It was located in the Minnetonka area near Minneapolis. And I called them and I said, I know that I didn't get the job. Um, but what about if I will come work for free, would you hire me? And they're like, well, yeah, when can you start? I "I I can be there tomorrow. And they said, well, what can you do? I said, I can edit, I can shoot, I can sweep the floors, I can log tapes, whatever you need, I'm here for you. So they took me up on it. Every single day, I drove 150 miles a day back and forth to go work for a job that was completely free. They didn't even bother to give me gas money. Um, But what they did do is they gave me a lot of experience. I got to work around great people. And after four months, they hired me as a full-time producer. And I basically got to skip ahead like five years. So all of a sudden I went from someone with no experience to a full-on producer. Four months later, I got the job that I originally applied for. So it kind of shows you that you're always gonna be shut down. You're gonna get no's. But even then, I was still just a cameraman and an editor. And I quickly realized people are not gonna give up their on-camera spot for some new person. Didn't matter. Girl, guy, whoever, it had nothing to do with any of it. It's just, that's a job that everyone wants. Why would they give it up? So what I realized is, I need to kind of do this on my own and figure a way into it so i realized there's one key here free labor free things people like free stuff so if i work 30 days straight um they give me five days of comp time so i would take those five days i'd go do a hunting trip on my own that i paid for with my little camera that i saved up my few pennies i had and would film it and then i'd come back i'd edit the footage together And i'd wait till one of the main guys didn't get a show done or didn't have it ready to go on a friday and i'd say well i have this one it's all edited and you can have it for free if you just run it and all of a sudden they started using my free stuff and it took a little while but after a couple of years some of the sponsors were like what about that melissa bachman girl and they're like no 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 no. she's just a cameraman you don't need her (laughs) and they're like no we'd like to see more from her and uh four years later i actually broke away started my own company Started Deadly Passion Productions. And so, my whole life, you know, I've done this full time, but it's the production background that saved me. Um, the production always paid for everything else. I never had money to pay anybody else. So, I was working over 100 hour weeks when I had my own company because I had to do it all. I didn't have any money to pay someone to help me. So, I would do all that work. And then, as I got further and further along, well, now I could start, you know, having someone help here or there. And you know, I still to this day do everything. I do all the sponsorship sales. I edit the show. I do have someone who helps edit the segments, but I finish every show. I'm doing all the sales, all the paperwork, all the accounting, everything. But I've always done that because I didn't have any money to pay anybody. And now why would I want to pay someone when I can do that myself? So I think it kind of shows people that, you know, there may be people more talented. um, There may be better hunters, but nobody's going to outwork me. And that's kind of the route I went. And And uh, I got lucky. It it panned out. Um, There were many days when my bank account was in the red that I was thinking, boy, med school looks pretty good right now.
1: (laughs) I bet. But see, there's a key lesson there. And and a lot of people, especially this generation, not to knock on anybody, but they don't realize that you're not going to have that reward without a little bit of, you know, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to give that up. I'm going to take that risk you know, and I'm going to sacrifice to get what I want. And and a lot of people don't realize
0: how many, you know, family events i missed over the years. When I first signed my first year of my airtime, because a lot of people don't understand you have to pay for your airtime. And then you hope to sell the sponsorships. I put my home on the line. (laughs) Um, That was my only thing I had. And it's like, well, if you don't sell sponsorships, we're going to take your house. And I thought, Oh gosh, what am I doing? But luckily it was just me and my puppy pork chop. So I thought, well, if we have to be homeless, we can figure something <laughs> out. <laughs> um, um, but luckily I did it okay. And you know, you make a lot of mistakes. You learn a lot of lessons. And uh, on the business side, um, my mom, is a, she ran some big companies and she oftentimes would look at me and just shake her head and say, this is the worst business model I have ever seen. You just <laughs> keep hunting until you run out of money and then you quit? I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I do each year. She's like, this is terrible. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's great. But see that, that brings you back to, uh, I'm going to say full circle. You went from missing all the family get togethers, all the events. And now you are very family centric. I mean, that that's the funnest thing to watch is when you go hunting, it's. I didn't get a kill. It's look at the family around it. I mean, I think yeah. your dog has more grip and grins than <laughs> I do. <laughs> So
0: she does have a lot pork chop has been all over the world with me. I love that little dog to death and people are like, how did you figure out how to get her to pose so well? And I'm like, I don't know. The key is treats, I guess. Practice, <laughs> practice. My question yeah.
1: is, is how do you get it to sit still on the stand?
0: She's great. Um, the only thing I don't do <laughs> is I don't bring her on um, tree stand hunts uh, for the main reason that I'm always afraid she's going to see a squirrel and she just loves squirrels and that she'll jump out of a tree stand. She would sit there on my lap all day. I have no problem. In a blind, she sits all day with me. Um, we'll do antelope ha- hunts where it's so hot. I'll bring like a bigger tub, like a cooler, and I put ice in it and then I put a blanket on. So she lays on a bed of ice. Um, That's awesome. I uh, bring her food, snacks, water, the whole thing. and She just hangs out with me all day. We've flown all over. Um, she does amazing. Um, she sits on my lap, never makes a peep. She knows the drill, and. It's really amazing how well dogs will adapt to the lifestyle that you live in. And now, you know, we live out in South Dakota and she just gets to run wild with ribeye or other dog. And, Free you know, ranges. that's her new life and she enjoys it. That's <laughs> so yeah. awesome.
1: That, that's a, a question that kept coming up was, do, do they take the dog out afterwards? And I said, no, I, I really don't think she takes the dog out afterwards. The dog is there. So I, no, I wanted to clarify it. She comes with
0: most of the time on the hunt. <laughs> In fact, I did one hunt that was a spot and stock hunt uh, with my bow and pork was on my hip, on a leash, on my belt loop. And she was with me the entire oh, time. Wow. And this guide, I still, bless his heart, he looked at me and I have a dog, myself, a cameraman and ham, and we're gonna do a spot and stock hunt. And I think he thought, there is no chance on earth that this is gonna happen. And we got it done on a really, really beautiful animal. And even he was like, never did. I said, you know, it's just all about just trying. You got to be consistent. You got to go after. Her. I said, she's not going to be any trouble. Um, and she wasn't. She does a great job.
1: That's, That's amazing. amazing.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I want to take it back. Add,
0: take it up a notch on difficulty, though. Add a two-year-old that really changes things. Ooh. He's not so quiet. Pork chops way better than Jack's. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask, how does that work with the kids?
0: Well, it's tough. <laughs> others. You better, you better have your patience hat on.
1: <laughs> hey, they're out there and they're doing yep. it though. You're raising them. And, right. You
0: know, and our older kids have done it since they were young and it, it just becomes a family thing. And, and there will be days that the hunt doesn't go as planned or that you quit early. And I think that's just all part of it. You know, you're not going to go out there and have it be successful every time and have everything work out perfectly. You're going to have games spooked off at times. You're going to have to go home early because someone's sick or whatever it could be. That's just part of the deal. Um, So I think as long as you go in with that mindset and think of it as, you know, the whole, the whole adventure, not just one little part of it. I think people can get through it a lot easier.
2: And it was kind of one of those things that you did as a kid too, probably, probably for your parents too.
0: And my dad still jokes that the only reason he brought us is because he didn't want to pay a babysitter. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, look, Larry, but, you know, honey. the key
0: to all that is, is having snacks, making it fun. Like with Jack's, he's two, he loves grape pop. So after we got our turkey, I cracked open a grape sun kiss for him. And he thought life was just great. He was eating Starburst, sitting in the middle, drinking grape pop and life is great, you know? So whatever those rewards are, you know, whatever you can do as a parent to just make it fun. Um, We went to Dollar General afterwards and he got a new gun, you know, um, because he was quiet turkey hunting. He was not quiet, but (laughs) we we got it done by some miracle. Um, So it's, you know, making it fun. And I think that's what I remember the most. My mom and dad let us make little forks and forts and play with the ducks and have snacks and maybe pop or things that we couldn't normally have, Um, but you get to do it while you're hunting. and. I think that family bonding time is incredibly important.
1: I've never thought of it that way. Don't let them have certain things until you're hunting. Then they mm-hmm. can have them. I mean, even it if it's it not fun. for the hunt. Yeah. It's Hey, we're going hunting. I get snacks. I get to do yep. this. I get to do. That's brilliant. It's like yep. training no, the dog. No supper
0: that night. Star, starburst and grape sun kiss for supper. I wouldn't yeah. do that every day, but it <laughs> works.
1: Hey, it gets them hooked.
0: Yeah.
2: It's like training a dog.
0: (laughs) It's the exact same. (laughs) I know it's
2: kind of messed up, but that's all I can think about. It's like, like when we train the dog for shed hunting, you give it a treat when it finds a shed, and it doesn't get one. Or my mine, she only when when she finds an antler, she'll get to be able to play with the ball. We don't play we don't play with the ball unless then. But that's kind of funny, actually. Um, I do kind of want to take it back because obviously you being a girl coming up in the outdoor world, obviously was, was there any type of struggles that you kind of went through or that you faced being a woman in the outdoor industry?
0: Um, To be honest, I don't, I don't ever say that there were any struggles because I was a woman. There were struggles, 100%. There were people who were not very nice to me. Um, I think anyone and everyone's going to run into it. Um, I would say I had as many times where people were extra nice to me because of being a girl or whatever, because they want to get more women involved. And I'd say there were just as many times where people were especially mean because they thought I didn't belong there. So I think in the end, I think it all evens out. I think anytime you get into an industry that a lot of people want to be a part of, it's going to be a struggle. You know, you're going to have challenges. And I always say, that's what gave me thick skin. You know, I can go through hunting camps. I can, I am not a high maintenance person. I am as low maintenance as anyone will ever find whether it's in hunting camp, out in the field, whatever it is, um, I just think that all those things kind of help you morph into who you're gonna become. And, and you also remember it, you know, I was a cameraman and I had people be very mean to me in the field. I would never act like that. Um, anyone who comes with me, I know it's a team effort. You're gonna run into trouble. Everyone's doing the best they can and people need to really remember that. Um, and if you are a good team unit, it actually flows better. Um, There's no weakest link in it and your guides, everybody's on the same page and it's that much more fun when it works out. And when it doesn't, it's just the way it is. Like, I'm not going to get worried about it. I I don't, I hear sometimes people say, Oh, there's so much pressure. I don't have that. If it works great. If it doesn't fine. If the only thing I'm going to worry about are things I can control. You know, if I didn't get my butt out of bed and we didn't get a deer, well then yeah, that's a problem. But if I'm out there hunting as hard as I can possibly do and it doesn't pan out, it's the way it works. I mean, you, you, that's to be expected. You can't win them all. And, uh, sometimes there are heartbreaking things, you know, you maybe miss something or you should have practiced more. You should have done this or that. So you kind of learn that over the years and think, okay, I'm going to really put in my time, you know, before the season throughout the year, never quit so that when, you know, you put a hundred hours in after a whitetail, you don't mess up and miss them. <laughs> Nothing more heartbreaking
1: tell me about it (laughs) oh that was last season in ohio oh no yeah uh what what did that deer end up scoring when they took it 187 and some change yeah Yeah,
0: that's a heartbreaker i nicked
1: a limb at 30 yards at last light and went right over his back oh no (laughs) those things happen though right especially
2: filming i think filming makes it the hardest thing of of it all
0: Mm -hmm. and i think you have to be in the right mindset for filming Like for me, um, I love it because I love the production end. I love filming. I don't really ever look at it as a negative. And frankly, I would never even consider taking a shot unless it was on camera. Sometimes people say, oh, well, what if it's a booner out there? Well, I'm going to kill that booner tomorrow when we can get him on camera. Um, That's just the way I am. It's because that has been my livelihood. It's probably because I've worked so hard to get here that I think sometimes you appreciate it more. So I don't really ever look at filming as a detractor. Um, I look at it as it's a, like I said it's a team effort and it's just as much fun for me to know we got just killer footage and got the animal um, and sometimes it's one or the other and I usually will pick the footage and you know make a show out of it and then hopefully you'll end up getting them usually I found if you just keep after it and you can dedicate the time to it a lot of times you can make it happen.
2: I, I think that there's something amazing to be said about that too, because like when you, when you go back and you look at those, the film and stuff, you can relive that memory mm-hmm. in, in, in actual time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just so amazing. Like the buck that I shot this year, I, we did it on film and it was just mm-hmm. so cool. I go back and look at it all the time. Cause it's just so awesome to watch that, you know, turkey hunts, anything. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's probably the same for you. Like if you just. If you just set your mind to it and you only do it on film, then it, it doesn't matter. You There's know? never
0: even a question. I always joke though, if I won the lottery, I would still do everything I'm doing today. I would still be filming, but there would be zero cutaways and zero talking about what I'm doing. <laughs> All you would see is the animals coming in and me shooting them because um, I'm not a big fan. I'm a hunter, right? So I don't really want to be out there telling you why I picked this tree and why I set up here and what's out in front of me. To me, I should be quiet and sitting on stand. <laughs> so right. that's always my biggest challenge. So if I won the lottery, um, that's what my shows would be like, just animal, animal, animal.
1: <laughs> I
2: like <laughs> you it. I
0: can
1: get behind it.
0: Yeah, you know, right. um, there'd just be no extras. Um, but you know, that, that's what I enjoy. I love hunting, I love seeing all that come together. And I also love production and I know, you know, some of those other things have to be part of it. Now, you know, we got a lot of little extra cameras going, so there shouldn't be any extra cutaways needed. It's just, you got to set the scene and tell people what's going on a little bit. And a lot of times I'm like, you know, we really shouldn't be talking right now. We should be quiet and hunting.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. and, And that's the biggest thing to get my head around is I like to be behind the camera. I like the production side. I hate being in front, but I, tend to keep finding myself in front of the camera and drives me up the wall but it's that well it didn't work out today what b-roll can we get to add into mm-hmm. the story what shots mm-hmm. can we get what can we do to add to it so when we do get that shot I've got enough in the back to do something with
0: and mm-hmm. that took Absolutely. me a
1: while to figure out
0: oh yeah and there's a whole art form to it I mean there's no question because believe me I've been there I've taken the animal. I'm like, Oh, we don't have anything else. <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I got a two minute kill shot. Okay. Uh, that doesn't
0: cut it. You cannot <laughs> yeah. make a 30 minute episode out of that. You better get to work.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. That that's hit very heavy this year.
0: <laughs>
1: that's me when I film. Cause I just, <laughs> Trev's like, Oh, kill done.
2: I got I'm it. Like, <laughs> no dude. What does it do? I need more. <laughs> because I'm I, I have that that hunting aspect right so I just I just want to hunt like I, I I I love the camera I love getting the shot on camera but I forget about all the other stuff that makes it full circle right because I just want to I just I don't know I'm like you I just want to hunt like I, yeah. I love the camera and I love getting the shot on camera but I forget about everything else because I'm just like yeah. so focused I need to get to this tree I need to do this I need to do that so it's it's tough I mean it's, and
0: it'd be totally different if it was like a, I think a lot of times people think it's like a high-end Hollywood production right like there's all these lighting and sound people and video guys and stuff it's me and one cameraman right so half the time we're bouncing ideas off of each other he's just as good of a hunter and we're coming up with plans we're both sitting stands we're both cutting lanes we're both doing stuff so nobody's filming that you know it's not that we didn't do a lot of that it's just we didn't take the time to necessarily always film that maybe we got a shot or two hopefully um but that's something that I think sometimes people forget about too, is you're really, if you're a true hunter, you're involved, you're doing all that. It's not always as easy to, to gather all that. If I had the money to have like three people in the field, I don't even know if I still would, because frankly, I don't want to hunt with four of us if we don't have to, Yes, that's what I was going to say, (laughs) you you know, as one person, we can be super stealthy. We've killed giant bots. We've done tons of spot and stock hunts. Um, it's just all about knowing, you know, each other and and the more you hunt together, the better, you know, each other and it works out very well.
2: Do you still do some self-filming and stuff for your, like just you singly?
0: Yep. I do. Um, Not always on purpose. (laughs) Sometimes (laughs) it's because that's just the way it pans out. Um, But I I enjoy, it. you know, the biggest problem with the self-filming is unless I'm hunting is for whitetails, especially unless I'm hunting over a decoy, it can be so difficult. And I've had some of the best hunts in my life. And I wasn't able to shoot because it was either you are going to film it or you're going to shoot. You couldn't necessarily do both. Um, So I still do it. um, And it just depends. My husband helps out now too. He loves coming with and, you know, all the bigger hunts, he'll come and run a second camera if nothing else. So I always like having that over the shoulder shot. So he's got a smaller camera behind the cameraman's tight on the animal. It makes it really cool. But then when coyote season rolls around, there's nothing he loves more than shooting coyotes. So then, I film pretty much the whole year. Um, so it just works out nice, and it's kind of a give and take, and works out well.
2: So, what are kind of like some of the things that you? Because you mentioned your husband and stuff. Like, so what are kind of like to keep that balance between the family, the husband, the kids, so on and so forth? Like, what what are some of the things that the struggles or the things that you do or have um, to, do I to think make we've that got it pretty
0: dialed in now. We're very lucky. So Jack's our youngest is two. Um, usually on any trips that'll be like a week or longer. My mom and dad are both retired, live in Minnesota. They'll come and meet us halfway and pick up jacks. So our two-year-old's off with him. Then Ben's mom and dad live in town here where we live, um, and they'll kind of take care of the older ones. We have a 10-, 12-, and 14-year-old, kind of get them to school, do their events, whatever. And then Ben will kind of look through the schedule and pick out some of the cool hunts that he wants to come with uh, throughout the year. Um, And I try to get him tags for some of this stuff, too. Like this year we're going to the Yukon. I got him a moose hunt and me a moose hunt. Um, so we mix it up. We did a brown bear hunt years ago. He got to shoot a giant brown bear. Um, and so we, we try to mix it up. So it's fun. Or sometimes he'll just come along just to have fun, but then he's got to work too. He's a game warden. Um, so the fall is a busy time. Um, so, you know, it's kind of a balance of just mixing it up. We can't do too many hunts back to back. He's got to be back working some. Um, but I think we've got it pretty well figured out. And I've really, I don't travel as much as I used to um I think after doing it for that long you learn to work a little smarter and not so hard and you learn things that you can do to improve your time and to make you more um you know just more successful in the field with the time that you're given um I used to take every single hunt someone would offer me oh sweet uh you're gonna give me a discount I'll be there you know Um, now I'll look into things a little bit more and and I try to really value that time. And when I go, of course, you don't know that it's going to be successful, but hopefully it'll be a good enough trip or an adventure that you can get something good out of it.
2: That's crazy. It's gotta be, it's gotta be such a struggle though. You know, it's, it's, but you've became to over the years have found that balance.
0: Yeah. I I did it every which way (laughs) so I did it where you know you take every hunt I did it where my budget was zero dollars really you know I didn't hardly have anything now I've got a little bit more flexibility so I can kind of pick and choose and be smart about it give myself a few breaks in between because what people forget is I'm also still editing shows that time of the year so the last thing you want to be doing is gone five weeks straight come home try to edit shows be behind it's just too much stress. It's, it's ridiculous. So now I try to book, you know, four or five days in between just to let yourself come home, make sure my kids know who we are, um, right. Get things back in order and leave again. And, and again, the only reason I have achieved that balance is because I've had it way off kilter before. Mm-hmm. So that's the only way to learn
1: trial by fire.
0: Yes. <laughs> 100%.
2: Is there one type of hunting that you like over another, like, one that kind of like drives you to do it more or want to do oh, more? I always
0: love whitetails. Um, yeah. And that's just because since a ki- since I was a kid, I dreamed of shooting big bucks. I never dreamed of hunting moose. I never necessarily dreamed of hunting elk or, or going to New Zealand or places like that. My goal was to shoot one big buck in my life, you know. Um, and that's still to this day. I mean, if you're going to offer a boon and crock at anything, I'm going to take a white tail every day. I love hunting elk. I love hunting muleys. I love doing all those things, but whitetails are still and will always be my favorite. Just because I think that's what I grew up dreaming of, you
1: know. And it was that tough. Oh, I I was going to say, it looks like you may or may not have achieved that goal. I'm not quite (laughs) sure. I mean, can you? I've shot a few good
0: bucks now in my day.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, go ahead, Jeff. But every one of them, you know,
0: you just enjoy it so much, and now like a lot of the land that we hunt one thing that we've changed more so for whitetails is we've kind of got our own areas where we're we're doing everything start to finish either we own the land or we have our own lease on it and we're out doing all the food plots the water holes the licking branches the cameras everything start to finish so you kind of control all that and when you start getting a big buck and then you're able to make it happen harvest them get a show out of it it's really I mean that's a pretty cool experience and a pretty cool feeling, and it's pretty tough to beat in my opinion,
2: oh yeah, what do you think is probably your favorite state to hunt in for Whitetails?
0: Now it's South Dakota, really, um, only because people don't really know about South Dakota as much right. um and i and I love that, and sometimes I actually question whether I should say where I'm even at in my shows. <laughs> <laughs>
2: is is there a lot of is it is there different struggles when it comes to South Dakota because obviously like it's different than Minnesota or the Midwest or so on and so forth
0: yeah I mean there definitely are you need to learn uh, the way deer are um, I hunted Illinois a lot I've shot a lot of giant bucks in Illinois how you hunt in Illinois is very different than how you hunt out here um, We have a lot less cover a lot less fields um, we're hunting d- deeper draws we're hunting deer that, you know, maybe don't stay on your property. Maybe they just come through in the evenings. Um, So it's very scouting intensive here, um, where I think in a lot of the other places, it's more, you put yourself in the middle of a buck paradise and you just sit and you hope something good comes through. Where here, we've got them a little bit more pinpointed. It's more scouting where you're watching those deer. You know what they're doing, what time they're traveling. A lot of times I'll be hunting and my husband will be up high scouting um, and kind of watching. And sometimes he'll see the buck I'm after come within a hundred yards. And the way we're set up, I would never even known he was there. So it's uh it's a team effort, hundred percent.
1: Awesome. Yeah, and a lot of people really don't catch on to South Dakota. And, you know, it didn't quite click for me until I actually got out there. We went and did, you know, a couple days on horseback, just enjoying, taking a break. And, you know, you see the elk then you see mule deer and then you see white and you see the turkey. And it's like, wait a minute. Yeah. I, I missed something here because they don't promote it. It's like a hidden gem.
0: Yeah. And that's some, like I said, sometimes I question my husband and I um, both got tags for elk a couple of years ago, actually right after we had jacks. So we, um, put in for a, it was a bid system and we got both of us to have archery tags season started September 1st. I was due with jacks on August in August. And I told that doctor, I said, I don't care what happens. Obviously I want everything to go well, but I really need to be elk hunting by September 1st. And she's like, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> anyway, um, Jax was born August 20th. My mom and dad came in September 1st and they took him every day during the day. Um, and I would elk hunt from morning till night, then stay up all night with Jax every hour with him. And by the end of like 10 days, I literally was so out of it. I didn't feel like I was fit to be a mother or a hunter or anything. Um, and we ended up, I took a couple days break. I needed it. And we ended up hunting all the way to the end of the month. On, and on September 27th, which was Ben's birthday, we both killed our bows, our bulls with our bow. Um, and it was the coolest thing ever. But, you know, there were a couple times I looked at my cameraman. One time we had walked already 16 miles. It wasn't even lunchtime yet. I said, do you think he remembers I just had a baby? (laughs) (laughs) He's like, probably not. And then we had to pack those two bulls out. We shot them the same day right by each other. It was the neatest thing, but it was a big pack job. I can tell you that much.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, one's not easy. Two is definitely a chore.
0: And uh, I can tell you your core strength isn't quite as uh, strong after having a baby. So uh, I got strong real quickly, though. It was the best program ever. Elk. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Yeah.
1: <laughs> For all the mothers out there listening.
0: Yeah. They lose go. the baby weight. Go well, hunt <laughs> <laughs> Knock it out in seven days and you'll be all set.
1: <laughs> Not only will you be in better shape, your husband will be in awe. Yeah.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Outstanding. So th- there's one pressing question that I've had from at least 10 people said you have to find out and you're probably sick of it. Okay. Yeah. You already know.
0: <laughs> I don't <really> know.
1: <laughs> yeah. It, do you wear contacts or are your eyes I natural?
0: Um, I have super, super blue eyes, but I do have contacts as well. Um, my grandpa, um, my dad's dad, had bright, bright blue eyes. I had bright eyes all through growing up. Um, I do have contacts, but even Jack's has pretty blue eyes as well. So um, they are very, very blue, but I also have contacts too.
1: Gotcha. So that squatches that. Everyone yep. quit asking, please. <laughs> you heard it. You did so your horse's mouth yourself because i'm like well i don't want to be the guy that'd be like are your eyes real you know because i mean it just sounds weird
0: i've always i've had people say that and i'm like well of course my eyes are real do you mean do i have contacts
1: (laughs) (laughs) exactly well played well played oh that's great so what i'm gonna say out of all your travels excluding whitetails what has been your most memorable hunt for you
0: Um, I would say probably we go up to Alaska each year in the spring. Well, we used to when it was a a hunt that you could buy over the counter for black bear. And we'd go up there and we would call black bear with the predator call. Um, To me, this was the coolest hunt I've ever done. I did it, I think, four years in a row um, where I would meet up with a pilot. He would fly me into a super remote location. He'd leave my tent and a kayak and some camping gear on the shore and he'd pull out and I set up camp and stayed there for 10 days. Um, and that was the coolest hunt I've ever done. I did it year after year after year. And what you do is you get dropped off in a location, you use that kayak to just kind of go across the bay. You only have one small area that you can hunt and you watch the grass slats for black bear coming out, trying to get their, their green grass to get their system going when they've come out of hibernation. And I'd get the wind in my favor and set up about 150 yards away and I'd start predator calling. And those black bear, they'd storm right into me and they can't see very well. So I'd kind of move around like I'm the bait and I just got a bow and arrow <laughs> and I'd shoot them. And I'd have to usually you have to shoot them right in the throat because they're coming straight in on you. And right. a big dominant boar, he's not going to come in and give you a broadside shot. He's coming in to eat you. So um, to me, you cannot beat it. It was all on your own. It was just so much fun. But unfortunately, since then, they've made it now where it's a draw. So it's like once every five, six years I get to go. So it's not gotcha. quite the same.
1: Yeah, that sounds uh, intriguing to
2: say it, the it least. It
0: was awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> was there any like scary
2: moments in that? Like you're like, whoa, hold on, that I'm was too sure close. Or...
0: If you really would have thought about it, <laughs> um, my mom and dad weren't real impressed seeing the footage because they knew I didn't have any backup or anybody. <laughs> but, you know, I'd have a cameraman with me. He may or may not have a gun with him, and I've just got a bow and arrow. And then you know, towards the end, I would start bringing like a shotgun with buckshot and slugs. But to be honest, I mean, most of my, almost all my shots were 20 yards and in. If you made a bad shot, I don't know if you'd have time to get your bow down and pick that up. Um, and I tell my cameraman, you just keep filming. <laughs> so he's not really there to back me up and I don't have a guide with me. So yeah, I mean, I'm sure there were situations that could have gone sideways very quickly, but we got very lucky and uh, we had a great time. And all of them, you know, they died before they even got off the shore. It's a super lethal shot. It's just you need to be close because you do have a small margin of error. Um, so you want to make sure that they're in close. So you just keep calling. And a black bear, that's kind of like they—they they, they forget what they're doing really quickly, right? So you're calling, and most other animals, you could just quit, and they're going to keep coming to you. Black bear, they're like, oh, what's this over here? Oh, we're stone. Let's flip it over. <laughs> so you got to just keep on and on. And if I ever play the real footage, people are like you really called that much? I'm like, yes. The more you call and the more aggressive you get, the faster they come. And it's pretty cool to see. And of course it doesn't work all the time and it works a lot better if you have a bear already spotted. Um, I never had a lot of luck with blind calling just because usually they're going to go and try to get downwind of you like any predator. But if you can see them and you know that your wind's blowing out into the ocean, they're not going to swim around to get your wind. So they're going to come right to you.
1: Trev, that sounds like it's right up your alley, aggressive calling nonstop and then whack them up close.
2: It sounds like a good time to me. I mean, <laughs> I would try and do it with a knife or something crazy. I don't know. That's, But you get in those aggressive moments, right? Where like, you're just like, you're like, whatever happens, happens. Let's go. Like, I, it is you know what I it think? is. To
0: be honest, looking back on it, I never was like afraid. Like, you just, you're into it and you just you're really focused, you know, I'm um, usually after the shot. That's when I like about fall apart, you know, but before <laughs> it, you're just really paying attention to their movement, to their demeanor, to every mannerism on them, you know, to see, are they spooked? Are they coming in hard? Are they going to stop? Are they going to get scared? You know, um, you got to take each into account. And so you're thinking about all those things. I'm not thinking about being scared. I don't know. It's too fun.
1: <laughs> no, it's,
2: it's you, the bow and him. Yeah. That's it. I yeah. mean, it's yeah. it's all or nothing.
1: That's why yeah. you're there. That's literally what you're there for. So mm-hmm. why you get squeamish?
2: No, yeah.
0: no, it's fun.
1: That's awesome.
2: Well, we do have one last question for you, Melissa. And, and and we ask everybody this. And obviously you've probably already answered the question. That's what this whole thing is about. But um, the question that we do ask is, what drives you outdoors?
0: Uh, I think for me, it's really, it's changed. Um, so in the very beginning, it's because that's you know, where I felt alive. It's what I wanted to do. And then I started doing it where... You know, I really enjoy taking my family and getting everybody involved. And now it's almost evolved to the point where I think it's so important to show others the importance of it all. Um, And I can do that. I have a platform to be able to do that. And I'm able to get other kids who maybe don't have a mom and dad who hunt, get them excited. You know, maybe they grew up in an area where they've got ducks and pheasants, but that doesn't really do it for them. And then they go on YouTube and they watch me alligator hunting. And they're like, oh, that is what I've got to do. So I think that's kind of where it's gone for me is, you know, trying to showcase how much fun it is, how important it is all the great food that you get and what a great bonding experience it is for families, because I think there's a lot of families out there looking for something like that to do together. And they may never have thought about it. And maybe it's just shooting their bow in the yard to start, you know, maybe not everyone wants to hunt right away, but I always tell people, take your kids with, give them a camera, never push them too early. And when they're ready to hunt, they'll ask. Um, I just never want to see kids or, or anyone get pushed too early before they're ready. Cause they may do it once or twice, but they're never going to, they're never going to stick with it.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those. I, I do a lot with, with youth because, it, you know, a lot of kids, it's tough finding kids that aren't in, into it. You know what I'm saying? Like that don't have a family that's into it, but when you find those kids and be able to bring them out, they might, you know, like you're saying, they might, pheasant hunt but they've never turkey hunted or they never white tail hunted or whatever the case may be so like getting them out and doing those things it's just it's so cool to see the smile on their face you know we we were we me you and steven have all been in families that we've been around this our whole entire life so we kind of know but a lot of people don't understand you know they've never seen something get shot or they've never gutted something so it's it's just an incredible thing to be able to grow this sport
0: And I think, you know, sometimes I've even had people get, uh, kind of get upset with me for bringing pork chop along and that, oh, that's not fair. You're not being respectful to hunting. What I'm trying to do is show people you don't need to be so serious, right? Like you can go out there, you can enjoy, it, you can have your kids, you can have your little dog, you can do it as long as it's all legal, enjoy it. But also that hunters are huge animal lovers. You will never find someone who loves their dog as much as I do. But that doesn't mean that I don't also understand where our food comes from and want to hunt. And, you know, I don't want to see anything suffer. But I think there's a big discrepancy with people thinking that hunters are just these people who are about ready to drag their knuckles on the floor and, and love seeing things suffer. That is not true. And I think by utilizing pork chop in the show and showing people that, that they're like, hey, yeah, maybe they do like animals too, you know. <laughs>
2: absolutely I mean, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to that because like like when i was growing up or whatever and the kids in the neighborhood or we'd see a duck that was struggling or something and we would rehabilitate and they're like aren't you a hunter yeah but that we're part of conservation we're trying to help out everything like i'm not gonna just because you know if there's something dying on the side of the road you either humanely put it out or you rehabilitate it like you're not going to see that stuff struggle somebody that's maybe on the other side of it they don't know what to do, right? So they don't know how to either take care of it or to put it put it out, you know. So it's like, I, I don't know, people. I think they get the they really get the wrong the wrong outlook on what actually hunters are, you know. I mean, so I, I like the fact that you bring the dog and that it's part of and it. And
0: frankly, I don't really care. I'm not asking anyone's opinion. Right. The dog's coming with me, <laughs> <laughs> but just so people know, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> it's incredible. No, it's that, it's nice nice
2: it's nice to have you know like i you know i have the shed dog and stuff and she goes with me everywhere that i go like everything i do she goes with me and it's it's nice to just have it might not be a person or someone to, but you can still talk to them it oh, still keeps that company yeah. it's it's amazing to have some some somebody else with you i say yeah. somebody but you know i'm the, the same way that's yeah.
0: why i had workshops. i was traveling all the time there was nobody with me in fact I'm sure she's sitting right outside my door right now because I closed the doors and I can see her little outline right on this side. She's
1: waiting. <laughs> Just waiting
0: to come in. <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
1: Well, Melissa, thank you again for the time. It's been incredible to sit and chat and get some of your perspective. I know you've been doing this since uh, before it was cool. So <laughs> that, that, that's really something to be said. Well, um, I
0: thank you guys for having me and you guys have a great show and I appreciate it very, very much.
1: Anything we can do in the future, let us know. Happy to have you back if you'll ever deal with us again. Absolutely. (laughs) uh, Before we let you go, where can everybody find you again?
0: You can go to just melissabachman.com and find me on all the social stuff or go to Sportsman's channel on Sunday mornings at 1130 Eastern Time, Winchester Deadly Passion.
1: Outstanding. Well, everybody listening, if you're not watching, if you don't know, you're missing out. You've been missing out for a long time. So get on there. Follow along. Get on social media because the posts are great. And uh, smile, laugh, and enjoy the ride. And until then, thanks for taking the ride right here on The Outdoor Drive.